you. Um, today's scripture will be from Luke 7, 36 through 50. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave them, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which one will he love more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has put perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. Whoever has been forgiven lo little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. All right. Thank you, Mary. Amen. <coughs> so it is good to see you guys here. Uh, for some of you who, who might not know me, my name is Danny Pierce. I'm the pastor here at Antioch, and uh, it's so good to see you guys, um, including some old old friends. Um, yeah, thank you guys. And uh, I want to give a shout out real quick to um, Kelly and Jonathan up here leading worship. Not just that they're leading worship, but um, setting up is actually trickier than you might realize. Um, it's not so our sending church in Brighton, and we had this long established system of setup on Sunday mornings that we don't have. And they're making it up on the fly every week. And uh, it's going really well. And so I just want to thank you guys for, for putting in the time to make that happen. Um, yeah, so it's, it's so good to be here. Um, our word for this season as a church has been the word hope. Um, and, and as we desire to, to be a people who are overflowing with hope uh, in this region, right? So in our neighborhoods, in our towns, our cities. Um, and, and so what we've been doing for the sermon series is taking a look at Luke's gospel and having our understanding of what hope is uh, shaped by these stories uh, of Jesus. And so you might remember the first week uh, we looked at in Luke 1 and at hope in the promises of God, right? And, and because no word from God will ever fail. Uh, and the second week, uh, last week, we looked at hope for the desperate people, right? People who are just desperate for, for God to move um, and, and the hope to have their lives transformed by Jesus. Um, and this week, uh, we're looking at this story in, in Luke 7, uh, 36 through, through 50. Um, and now there's a lot we could say about this story, uh, but we try to keep our sermon sh short here because we have kids. Uh, and just that reminds me, uh, there are sermon sheets for kids to fill out. Um, parents, this is a great chance for you to interact with your kids uh, about the sermon, and it helps teach kids to, to listen to sermons. It's something of an acquired skill. 
Um, and it gives you something to follow up on. Uh, and parents, if you need a little help paying attention, that sheet will help you too. So um, uh, just a reminder. So what we're going to do today, just to break it down like this, we're going to look at this passage, uh, at each of the three characters, right? The three main characters. Obviously, there's a group of people, but um, Jesus, uh, this Pharisee named Simon, um, and uh, what, what my Bible in the heading, which uh, was not written by Luke, but it says a sinful woman, uh, which tells you something that we refer to as the sinful woman rather than the forgiven woman, but that's another story for another day. Um, but let's start with Jesus, right? It's always a good place to start. And I find it interesting, Jesus, right, is eating dinner at the house of a Pharisee, which is not something you might expect. Um, and the fact that Simon the Pharisee seemed to have invited him. Um, and just as a little side note, I'll throw these in every now and then. Uh, sometime when you're reading through Luke's gospel, just pay attention to the times that Jesus uh, is eating dinner with people. It's probably nine or ten different times that he's e eating at meals. And just pay attention to the people he interacts with. What does he say? It's really fascinating. That could be actually a pretty cool sermon series just on eating. Um, but uh, so he's at this dinner. And uh, as we know, this woman comes in. And it's an interesting thing because it's clearly there's a lot of cultural things, right? Uh, sitting at a table. They're not sitting. I think even here it says reclining. So like they lay on one side and eat, which sounds miserable. Uh, but that also explains how this woman was able to get to Jesus' feet, uh, which otherwise at a table would be odd. Um, <clears throat> but this interaction he has with Simon, the, the, the Pharisee, is interesting because Simon doubts whether or not Jesus truly is a prophet because of Jesus' reaction to this woman, right? You know I mean, Simon says it here. If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is that she is a sinner. But then Jesus reveals, it's this, a little bit of irony here, right? He reveals he not only knows her, knows who she is, but he knows what Simon's thinking. I mean, I find this fascinating, right? This is what Simon had said to himself, and Jesus answered him. He answered his thoughts, right? Um, and then in, um, you notice here that Jesus, how he treats the people. So he's not rude to Simon. He's, he's respectful, but very straightforward, right? Very honest. But he's also very honest about this woman. You'll notice he doesn't deny her sinful past. He doesn't say, well, hold on. We don't really know the story. Or He doesn't do that. Uh, he, he, he seems to acknowledge, right? She had a big debt that was forgiven. Um, but the way he treats this woman, right? He, he uh, accepts her devotion, he honors her, he forgives her, he proclaims peace. And, and I, I was thinking about this as I was working through this passage. Um, this, uh, this, the, the final words, go in peace. Um, and I, I was just thinking about the fact that like, we use a lot of religious language. I frequently sign off emails that just says blessings, right? Anybody else do this? And you sign it, but you don't actually, like I'm not, when I write those, that word, I'm very rarely praying for the favor of God to come on your life and him to bless you, right? It's just kind of like a, a farewell greeting. Am I the only one who does this? Uh, but I was just thinking, what if Jesus is actually doing more than just that, right? So more than just a, hey, farewell, have a nice day. But let's think about this. When was the last time, do you think, that this woman had peace? Right? Think about what sin does. Sin has effects in all sorts of ways in our life, but it, it disrupts peace. Right? Sin brings the disruption of peace. 
it, it, it brings disruption to the peace in our soul, right? Uh, how many times have you done something wrong or you were, you were mean to somebody, you saw the effect on their face, and even if you didn't say anything to them, you felt it, right? And you went home and you thought about it. I can't believe I said that to this person, right? How many nights has anyone here ever lost sleep because of something wrong that they did, something sinful, not a mistake, but sinful, right? Sin disrupts peace in yourself. It disrupts relationships with others, right? How many arguments have you gotten into with somebody? Uh, a friend, roommate, spouse, sibling, whatever. Um, where it, it wasn't, again, just a misunderstanding, but there was actual sinfulness involved, selfishness, right? It disrupts peace with others. Sin disrupts peace with God. How many times have we struggled to pray because of sin in our life, right? And we struggle to look up to God and, 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 and pray because we feel unworthy, we feel ashamed. This is what sin does. It disrupts the peace in all aspects of our life. And so I wonder then when Jesus says, go in peace, is he doing more than just flowery religious language of saying goodbye? But when Jesus says, go in peace to her, he is proclaiming a new future for her. Right? A new future of peace that comes from the forgiveness from Jesus. Now, we, we, we don't necessarily learn a ton of like deep theological information here. Um, but the way that Jesus treats this woman, I feel like, reveals a lot about sin and forgiveness. Uh, but if we contrast that with Simon, right? So Simon the Pharisee, uh, and is an interesting character because he gets the whole everything wrong in this story, right? Uh, the way he receives Jesus. So clearly there's a base level of respect. I mean, he's hosting a dinner that Jesus is invited to. Um, and Jesus goes to this list of things that Simon didn't do. Um, and, and again, some of this is culturally bound, right? So Simon didn't provide water for Jesus to wash his feet. Now, if you've ever uh, lived in a dirty country like we have, uh, keeping your feet clean is a major deal. They obviously didn't have paved roads. It's dusty, and you're wearing sandals, right? So uh, it would have been a kind thing for Simon to do for Jesus was to provide water so he could wash his feet. Uh, not necessarily required, but it would have been respectful, right? Um, greeting Jesus with a kiss. He didn't greet Jesus with a kiss which again is somewhat culturally bound. I realize there are cultures that do that now, Italians in the room maybe. Um, but like, it does not bother me that none of you greeted me with a kiss this morning. Even aside from COVID, I don't care. We're okay, right? And yet that would have been a sign of respect and friendship, right, towards Jesus. But Simon didn't do that. Uh, he didn't put oil on Jesus's head, which again, I, I actually don't get that at all, why that would be a good thing. But apparently it would have been right? And he didn't do that. So again, the point here is Simon, what he offers Jesus is the baseline level of respect, and that's it, right? And then you watch his reaction to this woman. So she comes in, she pours this perfume on Jesus, and he is reacting to her sinful past. He's reacting to her reputation. He doesn't know what kind of woman she is, right? And it, all this shows that for all of his learning, Simon just doesn't get it, right? And this is another irony from this passage is that, that uh, this woman 
is the model of righteousness in this story. She is the model. She's the one we should emulate, right? And the irony is that though Simon has sinned little, he's actually the one who's furthest from forgiveness, right? And, and this comes down to what you might call a, a, a self-righteous spirit, a self-righteous attitude. That is, Simon is confident in his own religious goodness. He can tell you the sins he has avoided, and he can tell you the good things he has done. Uh, but those who have this attitude, not just that they're good people, it's good to be good, right? Good works are good works because they're good. Uh, but to self-righteousness is to, is to get, accord yourself a certain status before God based on what you have done. But those sort of, those self-righteous people, and I'm sure that some of us in here actually struggle with this, it's a common thing. Oftentimes for self-righteous people, there is nowhere for the guilty to go. Someone who really has sinned, right? This woman, I mean, I assume she really did have a sinful past. And for him, for Simon, who bases his understanding of good and bad and all this, uh, standing before God based on his own behavior, there's nowhere she can go. She's stuck in that past. Right? But those who understand grace and forgiveness will always lead or leave a path for the guilty to walk. There's always a way towards forgiveness. Though Simon has great understanding about many things, I'm sure, and though he, he has sinned little, he is the furthest from understanding forgiveness and grace. Right. Now, the big contrast I feel like in this story is uh, between Simon and, and this woman. Um, so obviously Simon's kind of the negative character in this story. Um, but this woman, the, the sinful woman or the forgiven woman, Clearly, as we said, she has a past, a past, a reputation. Uh, now, there's no backstory given, right? If this were a, uh, a Hollywood movie, there would be like 90 minutes of backstory and you'd weep and all this other stuff and Peter Jackson would turn it into a trilogy, right? But there's nothing here given to that. Uh, we don't know what sinful life refers to. I mean, it's, if I remember correctly, that's what it says here. A, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life had learned Jesus. Was, uh, we don't know what that means. Um, and we, we actually don't even really know on what level she believed in Jesus. How did she come to find out about Jesus? Um, clearly, she knew who she, he was before she showed up. That um, This parable that Jesus gives about the forgiven debt, uh, it's hard to know, like, does this indicate that she was already forgiven? And so when he says, your sins are forgiven, he's affirming. Uh, I don't know. <clears throat> but either way, what we can say, a couple points about her. Um, her worship of Jesus is extravagant, right? It goes above and beyond. And as Jesus says towards the end, your faith has saved you, right? Now, those are the, the, the most important things. Uh, and, and so you think about this story. She showed up prepared to honor Jesus, right? I don't get the impression she was just happened to be walking down the street with a jar of perfume. And it was like, oh, Jesus, this is a great time. But she showed up to honor him, but before she could even follow through with her plan, she is overcome, right? It, it says she began to wet his feet with her tears. Even that word tears is interesting because it's actually a word that gets used for like rain showers. So this is not like a polite tear down the cheek. This is like straight up ugly cry as she's worshiping Jesus. Uh, 
She washes his feet, wipes it with her, with her hair, kissing his feet, right? So you get the contrast. Simon was only doing the base level sign of respect. Couldn't even show Jesus a higher level of respect. She's going beyond respect. She's going to devotion, to worship, and it's extravagant. I don't even know why someone would pour perfume on somebody's feet, right? But just, it, it, it almost the why, why that specific action isn't as important as the fact that she was doing it, this embarrassing devotion to Jesus. And there's this irony again. It's precisely those who are found the most unlovable that love the most when they encounter Jesus, right? It's a woman who is rejected, despised, shamed. But when she encountered Jesus, her level of love was so much deeper than this self-righteous Pharisee. And, and there's a hope here, right? In keeping our, our, with our theme of hope, um, you know, we, we live in, a, in, in an area, as, as we all know, that is not um, particularly Christian or religious, right? There's different sorts of self-righteousness. Um, and yet there, there's a hope here because there are a lot of people we might look at from our, our natural mindset and see uh, they are far from God. They're, they're so uh, removed from a biblical understanding of right and wrong and worship and, and who God is. Uh, and yet... When we look at this story, again, the one who seemed most unlovable, the one who seemed furthest from God, is actually the one who understands forgiveness in worship and devotion to Jesus. Right? It's those who are aware of their sin and they're aware of their need for forgiveness are the ones who find it. And so, uh, Kelly, you can actually come back up because I want to make sure we have time to respond. Um, as we, as we respond to, to the word of the Lord this morning, um, I, I want to refer back to an earlier point. Um, you know, it, it's, I think it's fitting that we, we don't know what sort of sins this woman was involved in um, because uh, this woman uh, is not marked by her sinful past but she is marked by the forgiveness and peace that she has found in Jesus. And the same is true for us. For every single one of us here who, who, who have faith in Jesus, our response is actually a lot like hers. We are released to walk in forgiveness and peace, and we respond in, in worship and adoration and even embarrassing devotion to him. So let's take some time and, and respond to the, to the word of the Lord this morning.